In general, my family didn't go out too much because they were too embarrassed about their kids. But when we did go out or when we did travel, it was amazing when we stayed in a motel that, uh, I mean, I go way back, okay, way back, late 50s, early 60s. I was so impressed that they offered these little tubes of shampoo and, 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 and conditioner. I didn't know what conditioner was, but, and, and they started doing that. So we made sure that we always stayed in a motel where they had things like that. Uh, as you go on now, let me take you to the latest that happened to me. About a year and a half ago, I was at a hotel on the beach and, uh, <clears throat> I walked into that hotel and there was no desk that you reported to. Instead, I was greeted by a wonderful lady with an iPad, and she said, may I have your name, please? And she punched in the name and said, welcome, James. And I said, well, you can change that to Jim. And and, uh, once you sit down, and we'll get get a drink for you right here, and and then we will come back. Uh, Your baggage is already being delivered. I was really liking this. Uh, And then she said, oh, here's here's a guest bag for you. And what that guest bag included this time was a pair of flip-flops because it was near the beach. I got my own flip-flops. I was so impressed. You know, I don't know what you think is important. Maybe a a free-cooked breakfast when you go into a good hotel. Uh, Maybe it is somebody delivering your luggage. Uh, Maybe it will be extra pillows or the occasional white bathrobe that you can wear to the spa. All these things are wonderful. Have you ever noticed, though, that when you say these are extras, they're not free? In other words, you pay for them in the extras that you pay, that you shell out for this nice hotel. It's not free. It's not like home when a guest comes by or a guest stays for a few nights. Now, we didn't have many guests in my home growing up because there were four children and there just wasn't any room to put them in any guests. But when we did... Uh, I was always impressed with what my mom would do for guests. She would get out the good china uh, and throw away the stainless steel and use the sterling silver for, you know, when we ate. We would eat at a dining table, not at the kitchenette. We would, uh, they would get the best bedroom. That means I had to vacate and sleep on a couch. They would get so many wonderful things. And I remember being an envi- a little envious because I would think, Mom, when do I get treated like this? You're not a guest. You're family. And with family comes certain expectations. Be as envious as you want, Jim, but you're not a guest anymore. One of the things that my parents had to train me to do was to take care of my own laundry. So by the age of 10, I was doing all my own laundry and all my own ironing. Stay press came in right about then. Oh, it was marvelous, okay? <laughs> Not just cotton that you'd have to iron. And, but stay press came in, and I bought everything stay pressed. I also learned that if you didn't have stay pressed, you could buy a, a cardigan sweater, and all you'd have to iron would be the collar and this little V right there. And However, in August in Southern California, it gets a little uncomfortable, so I had to learn to iron the whole shirt. But over the years, through trial and error, uh, I learned that one of these responsibilities I had is how to do laundry so my underwear didn't turn pink and my blue jeans stayed blue. It wasn't that easy. 
Do you understand the difference between being a guest and being family? This is what this next section of of Ephesians is all about. There is a big movement going on for these, uh, 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 these young Christians, probably Christians less than a decade, and, and they have given their lives to Jesus Christ. They've come together in a city that is just filled with certain things like moral depravity and idol worship. And, and uh, uh, it's very religious. It's very superstitious. Uh, it's the third largest city in the empire, so every form of entertainment is available. They're, they're coming out of a pagan culture to become followers of Jesus. But they're not joining the church so much as they're joining the family of God. What a huge difference that is. And as they become part of the family of God, as we introduced last week, within the family there are certain house rules. And these house rules are made very clear in Scripture. Now, when you're thinking house rules means I'm going to get a checklist, no, no, this is your own checklist. It's not given to you, but there's a series of house rules. And the house rule says we look at Jesus as the head of the household. He sets the rules. And when we honor Jesus through these house rules, our values will transform. And more than that, we keep the house rules eagerly. So to understand the house rules, you have to brag on Jesus. You have to brag on God. You have to understand these were not something that the people made up. This is something God made up. And it comes right out of his very own nature and character. So we're looking at the house rules of God's family, which you can call the church. And as we do, we understand that the first one that we looked at last week was house rule number one for the church of God for the family of God, is get along. Now, some of you have mentioned churches that you've been at where you didn't get along. I'll be honest, I don't always get along. Uh, And it's hard to get along, but that's why it's house rule number one, because we're to be looking different to the rest of the world. We're to be looking as somebody who, because of God being one, and there being one faith and one baptism and one Lord and one Holy Spirit, we understand that our unity is extremely important. So it said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, meaning The unity is not something that you produce. The unity is something that you keep, that you preserve. You already have it. It's a gift of God. Brag on God. This is the only institution, the only gathering of God, of people where we can say unity is essential because it was given to us. Not commanded. It was given. And As you looked at that passage with us last week, we have to understand to keep the unity, I have to put away my pride, and so do all of us, and I have to take on humility. Now, that's for every Christian, and that does not mean that I, as a leader of the church, can be proud, but you can't. I have to be one who puts aside his pride and humble, and all the others will follow suit. And we can brag on God because this is exactly how Jesus lived in these three years of ministry that we see in the Gospels. Now, humility does never mean total agreement. Now, that is a miracle you'll only see in heaven, okay? It doesn't mean total agreement. 
But it does mean that we say some things are more important than others, and the relationships that we have with others, others is more important than our personal opinions. The command is think of others as more important than ourselves, or think of others before we think of ourselves. And I gotta admit this, in the last 19 years here at Bergen Park Church, I have run across many who follow house rule number one, and they're a delight. That doesn't mean that they don't think differently. It doesn't mean their opinions are exactly the same as mine. But I hope that you take house rule number one as extremely important also. Well, that's a review. Now we get to this next house rule. And because understand there's others. And you can look at them as commands. But understand that each church has the same ones. Now, if you're thinking that this is like a, a good hotel with a nice pool, and you're, you're looking at the pool rules, and, and there's placards everywhere, you know, posters put, and it lists all the no's that you can't do. You know, no yelling, no screaming, uh, no glassware, no food, no children, no pets in the pool. At the bottom, I, I sort of believe that what they're going to say at the bottom is, and no swimming. And by the way, no breathing while you're near the pool, okay? Because you'll ruin it. Uh, w- when we think of house rules and we, we think of the nice hotel with all those rules for the swimming pool, I want you to know Jesus sees it very different. In fact, in Ephesus, you may be surprised, but 1950 years ago or so, there were only three house rules. You've heard the first one, get along. Now, I'd like to say that because I'm so special, I've invented a few extra which don't agree with Paul, but I can't. It's the same house rules 1950 years ago for his family as it was, as it was then, so it is now. There's only two others that are listed. So I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4 and see if you can find the other ones. Remember I began in Ephesians 4 with the idea of getting along. That was verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now I go to verse 7, where it goes into house rule number 2. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Now as I'm in verse 9, it has a parenthesis meaning he gets off the subject for just a little bit as an explanation about that psalm that he quoted. And so it says, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe, end of parentheses. So it's bragging on Jesus Christ again. And understand every house rule is not made up by men, but is given us by God. So he's saying this is the one who set the rule. Here is how it happens. So just as we finished the idea of we must get along, so we come up to house rule number two. And you understand that each person is called in house rule number two to contribute because you are diverse. There's a diversity in the body of Christ. You all don't look like me. You all don't think like me. You all don't act like me. And most of you would say, that's a very good thing. God has made you individually. 
He has made you diverse from others. Therefore, the teaching is, in that diversity, understand there's something special about you. And house rule number two is, find a way to contribute. I don't mean just money. There's ways in which God has not just uh, uh, made you different, but has blessed you. Or as it says, he has given you gifts, in verse 7. To each one, he says, that means not me, but each, and not you. No, to each one. Nobody's left out. Each means we all have it, but we're all diverse. And so the same gift that Christ gives could be seen in different methods and different expressions, but it's the same gift. Now, the gifts that are listed here, there's just four that are leadership. And uh, they are apostleship. Uh, they are, oh, I better read them, okay? Um, uh, it says, um, verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastor teachers. These are considered the upfront and leadership gifts uh, by many. So he lists these, and I would say as I go through these, I would call myself a pastor teacher. But that's only four. If you go through all of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, now Ephesians 4, you will come up with a list of about 26, as scholars say. 26 uh, spiritual gifts. And we brag on Jesus Christ because these are not ones that you so, uh, that maybe that you earned or ones that you got a degree in, but these are gifts that he's given that maybe really enhance all your other parts of life, your, your training, your education, your experience. But these are gifts that he has given. So house rule number two is contribute because God has gifted you in ways in which you can. So think about it this way. If you were to say, my best shot, the best way that I can make a contribution to Bergen Park Church, or because it's Mother's Day, I know some of you are from out of town, but my best shot at Bergen Park Church or my home church to contribute would be, and do you have an answer? Can you say, oh, I know exactly what it is? Maybe you can't. But the idea here is that if it, the, the, you know, house rule number two is contribute because you are diverse and have a special gifting from God, then you have to understand, how do I know? Well, uh, two things help me know. I know that I am contributing with my best shot because I have joy in doing it. It just seems to fit me and I want to do it more. The second thing is I see that people are encouraged or built up by that gift. So I believe, and most people uh, also confirm this, that I have the gift of pastor-teacher. I am not an apostle, but pastor-teacher. And so, really, since moving into this new facility and for a year before, uh, since that seems to be the, the evident gift in me, I'm saying, how can I do that better? And I've gone to Scripture, and I've looked at certain people who did it well, and I've learned from them. And I've also seen that there's some ways in which I've been neglecting being pastor teacher that I need to pick up on. That is my best shot. There's others too, but that's the best one. Do you have a joy 
a joy in the gifting that God has given you? Do you find that you can do it out in the world as well as in the church? Do you find that when you do it within your, you know, this, this family of God, that, that people are encouraged by it and maybe even thank you for it? House rule number two is to contribute to God's people through your diverse gifting. Get along, contribute. We now come to the third. And let me read the rest of the passage before we get there. He says uh, that these gifts are given to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Verse 13, until we all reach the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now the key word there is mature. And here is how it is explained. Then... We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we will be speaking the truth in love and we will in all things grow up into him, Jesus, who is the head that is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love, each as each part does its work. Now notice here that he's not talking about the numbers. He's talking about uh, not the quantity, but the quality of the expression of the gifts. He's talking about how in our maturity we'll be able to be discerning what is of God and what is of people. And that's one of the applications, but there's more. Here's house rule number three. Grow up. Grow up. Gee, my parents used to say that to me all the time. Jim, grow up. Hey, I'm seven. What are you expecting? But they wanted me to act older than I was. They wanted me to progress. So it revolves around, you know, the rest of Ephesians really is really about how Christians grow up. Very specific areas, not done in great detail, but done with a broad brushstroke that we'll be looking at for at least another 10 or 11 weeks. We're told to grow up, meaning become mature or seek maturity in your faith. It says in verse 13, until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. How do we know if we're growing up? Well, growing up means we let the word of God, or growing in knowledge uh, of Jesus Christ, we let the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God so affect us that our faith progresses. And with progression of faith, so every facet of our lives aligns itself with what we know of God. In the last 15 years... I've been hearing from God, uh, did I say 15? 50. Because I've been, this, in two months I will have been a Christian 50 years. Wow. I think God's smiling and say, I do believe in miracles, okay? Uh, um, I've been on one, uh, you might say, avenue of maturity or one path of maturity after another. It started in high school when I first became a Christian, and before that, Jesus had very little influence on my life. But in high school, I realized the first thing that had to change was the way I treated the the girls I dated. 
that had to change. And, and so I was told to grow up and treat them with the same respect, even more respect than I respected myself. That had to change, and believe me, I had friends who made it change rapidly. How did we change it? We went out on double dates, triple dates, group dates. They didn't allow me alone. <laughs> very smart, very smart. And I began to grow up. I'm still growing up. After my dating life changed in college, I had to grow up in terms of discipline and scheduling. I had to say, I'm just not smarter than those around me. College demands more if I'm going to get good grades. Also during college, I started finally to become familiar with the Bible. I even took courses in the Bible at CU. Boy, was that an experience, okay? But it got me reading the Bible finally. In seminary, I had to grow up and deciding, why am I on this planet in the first place? I mean, why does God have me here? It's not to study Greek and Hebrew. At least I hope not. There's got to be more to life than that. Why am I on this planet? And so I started to determine the purpose of my life, and I think God has affirmed that. Uh, Probably the biggest changes came as a husband and father. Because I realized that uh, I was built to accomplish things and dads um, and husbands, uh, that's not going to make the family work. Well, what needs to change? Well, Jim, you, grow up. Grow up. Hey, a mother told me this story. <clears throat> uh, that she was um, taking her children, and she had three I think, taking your children through the market. Who takes three children to the supermarket? And and she was saying that these children were always, I mean, no other children are like this. They'd always be reaching on the shelves or say, I want this. Or when they get to the checkout, can I get this? Can I I need some candy? I'm thirsty. I want to do this. My diaper's dirty. They they would do all these things. And uh, if it was me, if it was me when I was learning to grow up as a dad and a husband, I would have said, Barb, it is stupid to bring the children with us. Let's hire a babysitter. We'll get the shopping done much quicker. Uh, uh, but this wife said, well, you know, when I had the children with me, they'd say, I'm thirsty. And her answer was always, oh, I know. I know. I know. And they would keep whining and whinging and complaining. And she always, oh, yes, that must be so bad. I know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And and so I learned from her. Unfortunately, my children were already in their 30s, so it didn't work real well. <laughs> and I, by the way, I still don't take my children to the market, okay? Uh, but do you understand that each season of your life... And now that I'm called a senior citizen and I get discounts everywhere, you're still growing up. You're still maturing. What season are you in and where is God saying grow up? Because it's not just your knowledge that has to grow, but it's everything about your life that brings your knowledge and affects every aspect of, you know, every facet of your life. The church in Ephesus As Paul narrows this down to three issues, he begins with growing in knowledge. This is not a knowledge where you say, I know more, but a transforming knowledge, as I was saying, that that affects your life. 
And I find myself growing through reading, listening, and watching. Uh, I watch some Christian television. I read a lot of books. I listen to wise Christians or, 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 or good examples in certain areas, and I learn from them. But the end of the process would be that I would become mature, as verse 13 says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ Jesus. I'm not just informed, but I become more transformed and conformed to Jesus. So what is the season in which you're growing up? How do you describe it and what is God doing? So first of all, we we grow in knowledge. Secondly, we're told to grow in love. It says in verse 15 that I read to you, instead, in other words, we're not going to be tossed back and forth by all these different teachings. Instead, it says, find a way to speak the truth in love to one another. And this is among Christians, basically. It's among Christians. Now, I don't know about you, but occasionally I get a criticism. Me? Yeah. And, and, And sometimes I get criticisms from people who do not usually give them. It seems so uncharacteristic. And I've come up with strategies of which two do not work, of how to answer criticisms, how to speak the truth in love. The first was, I read the Psalms of David where he says, kill my enemies, clobber them, rub them in the dust, make them, you know, just make them so they're never seen again. And every time I I quote David, it never worked. They're still around. So cross that one off. The other one, which I find I'm growing out of, is go and hide for a week or two. Now lick the wounds, heal a little bit. Be thinking exactly how you're going to talk back to them. And I'm really good at that. It doesn't work. It doesn't say shut up in love. It says speak the truth in love. It doesn't say go hide in a cave in love. It says speak the truth in love. I'm learning in my late 60s to be a better speaker of the truth in love. This one incident that I'm referring to, because it came from an unlikely source, I, I had to say to this source, you know, and, and these are not the exact words, but you'll get it, uh, has my performance really deteriorated that much since the last time we talked? And, um, and the answer was no. Okay, well, either this is long-term in you and growing Or maybe there's something going on in your life that we need to talk about. It was something in that person's life. So we started to talk. Series of bad circumstances, bad relationships, diminished view of self and what he could accomplish. He was disappointed in himself. Saying nothing would have been the wrong thing to do. Saying something, trying to exhibit love and speaking the truth with love was the right thing to do. Here's something that I'm working on. See if you have learned this yet. In speaking the truth in love, no other Christian is my enemy. No other church is the right church or the wrong church as long as it worships Jesus Christ. They're not my competitors. And no other Christian, no matter what that Christian thinks of me, is the enemy. 
Last time I checked, with every other pastor in town, we're in the same dugout together, working on the same team, different positions. More than that, with every other Christian, we have we probably agree with the same basic tenets of life. <clears throat> we want to honor Jesus Christ in all that we do. There's only one true enemy, and that's Satan and the way he works in the world. That's the one we've got to fight. It's his influence that we have to decrease and eliminate and eviscerate if we can. He has way too much influence in this world. And so, therefore, I need to grow in love towards other Christians and to those maybe who aren't Christians so that I can eliminate the influence of the evil one. Um, I have down here, say amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay. The second and final, I mean, there's a third way in which we also grow as we learn to grow up. And that is by growing service in the church. In verse 16, it says, From him the whole body is joined and helped uh, help together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love when each part or as each part does its work. So we mature in knowledge. We mature as we grow in love. But we also mature as we grow in service. We learn, most of us, from activity uh, and we are, just like uh, exercise strengthens our body, so it is that activity, the right activity, strengthens our faith. We are different as we get involved. We find ourselves being able to do the work God has gifted us in. It gives joy to us, it builds up others, and we want to do it more. This is as each part does its work. This week... Uh, there's this stream of emails going through about building our playground right out there, right out that window. Right now, it's a just empty, just weeds and dirt. And we want to get our playground done this summer. It's a great project. And, and so I'm somehow in this thread of emails going back and forth and back and forth. And uh, it, it turns out that it, it's a great project that when it's all done, we're going to say, man, our kids are going to love this. And it was uh, contemplated by a family in our church that is an expert in playgrounds. I mean, they've been to playgrounds all around the country. And they know the ones that their kids love to stop in. And the ones the kids say, let's go back to that one. They are great at playgrounds. So they've come up with this plan. And they asked my advice. They asked my advice, which I gave. They didn't ask me to help in the construction. They didn't ask me, could you dedicate yourself to a day or two, bring all your power tools, and so that you would, you would be, you know, one standing right there at the end, and, and would you do this? No. My service is different. But this week, as you know, people drive me to see for my radiation therapy. This week, I've had people who just love to serve. Take me down. They're busy people, but they love to serve. Here at Bergen Park Church, when we're talking about grow and service, uh, last week we had one of our, our our great ministry, our great missions here, the inner city school. And, and it was a wonderful welcome to them. And more than that, we, we took up an offering and, and they were supported and, and then they went back. And we, uh, any of us who stayed, about 40 or so adults who stayed for that, were more tied to that church. We've got nine other missions that we call ours. 
And all of them take people growing in service. We will add more as we get teams ready to, to be involved or growing in service to other missions. Here at Bergen Park Church, we probably have over 20 ministries that we do. And, and so whether it's worship or children or youth, none of them are saying, please don't help us. But they're saying, would you be willing to grow in service with us? Not just attend Bergen Park Church, but serve at Bergen Park Church. And perhaps lead one of these ministries or help lead one of them. Here we have a, this, this diagram that I'm going to keep going back to until you are going to dream about it at night. Either that or stay away from Bergen Park Church. Can you show that diagram? And, and it's just a simple Venn diagram that sort of explains these house rules too. Uh, house rule number three, how do we grow up? Well, as you look at it, our transformation model here, it, it shows that it fits in perfectly with the passage. And our goal is not to be improved, but to be transformed by God's Spirit working in us. But it doesn't mean God's Spirit just does a miracle and suddenly we're different. It means we're working with the Spirit. And God's Spirit does this transformation by first, as we go deeper with Him, growing in knowledge of Jesus Christ and our relationship with Jesus. God's Spirit also transforms us consistently as we grow closer to one another. I learn so much by being around other Christians. They're examples, they're models to me. And, and then we, we're told finally that we're going to reach farther, we're going to get involved in, in, in ministries and, and, and ways to affect our community and the world. We're going to reach farther so that we find ourselves growing as we've reached out and maybe contemplated and actually got involved in things we never thought we could do before or we always wanted to do but just never set aside the time. Before we moved into this facility, I had a uh, a talk with a man in the church who um, was not real happy with all that was going on and he had a series of issues that really pointed out some of our real, real weaknesses. And I could honestly say, oh, I know, I know, yes, I know, we sure have those. It was a hard conversation, but to show that I was really with them, I was taking notes and writing them down and summarizing them. And then at the end, I said, well, I think you're left with three options. You can continue whining. You won't like that. You won't like yourself. You can leave and go to another church that maybe has solved all these issues. Or you can make Bergen Park Church better with the gifts that God has given you. Whining is never a gift in Scripture. If it was, I'm gifted. (laughs) I am at least as good as you. But he spoke in frustration. He spoke with no active ministry going on in his life. And he really didn't speak in love. He was not getting along with house rule number one. He was not taking seriously house rule number two, where, where he's told to contribute. And, and so he, he was really faced, is this the place where I can be growing up at this season? He was an evaluator. He wasn't a contributor. So how about you? Here it is, Ephesians. And again, the rest of Ephesians is all about growing up into the fullness of Jesus Christ. 
We're only about halfway through in terms of numbers of messages. And, it, and understand that each one really brags on God. In other words, this is what God has established. This is what God has put into us. This is why we're different, because the rest of the world doesn't put God in the center. So how about you? As you look at three house rules, get along, contribute, grow up. Where are you? Where's the challenge? Where's the joy? Where's the conviction? This is what being in the Bible is all about. Let's pray. Lord, we want to represent you. And we understand. Thank you. Because if you made it more than three, we'd never remember them. Thank you that they're so straightforward, so simple. And thank you for the last 19 years of having the privilege of being a part of the family of God here at Bergen Park Church. Thank you for each house rule. Thank you that each one is clear. Thank you that you spoke to the Apostle Paul. Thank you that as long as the church is here on earth, the rules will be the same. No amendments, no additions, no subtractions. You're the same. Lord, you said it then, you say it now. Get along. Contribute. Grow up. And for being so crystal clear, We give you thanks in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen.